Welcome back to Work Woman. I was supposed to record a different podcast today, this afternoon. For some reason, I was saying this morning. It's totally not morning time. It is like middle of the afternoon. Um, totally had a different plan in place for today, but this is the realness that comes out of actually operating a business while sharing with people how you operate a business. Because I had one of the top 10 worst interviews that I've ever done earlier this morning. Like it was terrible. It was it was so bad. It was just everything about it was bad from start to finish. And so at first I was going to do a podcast. Um, this like sparked the idea of like how to teach people how to interview. I was like, well, wait a second. My audience is business owners. So instead what I need to be teaching is what are interview deal breakers? What are the things that you should absolutely not tolerate and allow into your environment when you experience it in an interview? I find oftentimes when we're working with the businesses that are part of Cardone Ventures and come to our courses that they just don't feel like it's in their, uh, it's their responsibility to weed out at the level of this bar, this high bar of potential team members. Like they're good at whatever skill they have, therefore they're just gonna hire them. And there are so many other factors. So I've come up with the 10 things, and as I'm doing this, it might be more, but the 10 things, nine of which happened on this interview, that you should never allow and should absolutely be deal breakers for your interview process. You're so good, you're all good. This is actually fantastic. Amanda just walked in here and dropped this off. She normally does not um, grab me this, but I need it today. Uh, Amanda is the opposite of what I'm talking about right now. And until you have interviewed somebody who just knocks it out of the park and then is integrated into your organization and adds a significant amount of value, I think there's a perspective that you just don't have. Context and contrast is something that we talk a lot about. and. When we interviewed Amanda, she did every single thing correct. Like textbook, not even textbook, it's like A++ if textbook is A interview. She was an A++ for all of the different things that she put into presenting herself and selling herself as a candidate. Again, this is the exact opposite of the experience that I had earlier today. Uh, and so what you guys don't have perspective into is what those little like intangible things are and should feel like in the interview process, which is something that Amanda and many of our other team members have created for us, which give us confidence in hiring them. But then, you know, what we're actually gonna talk about is what you more frequently experience, and that is all of the terrible things that candidates say and do in an interview process that are absolutely indicators of how they will be as team members of yours. Let me say that again. These are indicators of how they will be team members of yours. They will not be one person in the interview process that is somewhat bad behavior and then be better in their day-to-day -day job than they were in the interview process. It just, I've never seen it happen. I believe I'm at the, the tipping point. I should probably go back and try to figure out some way to calculate this. But I have now interviewed what I believe is I've toppled over the thousand number. So I've interviewed over a thousand different team members. So you could call me a subject matter expert on the area of what a good interview and what a bad interview looks like and what an okay one looks like. But again, today is interview deal breakers. So let's get going. First things first, guys, we live in a virtual world right now. We are in the middle of what still is a pandemic and people are doing virtual interviews, which virtual interviews are great. 
I am a proponent of virtual interviews. I have no problems with never having met somebody in person. If they're gonna come join our team, virtual is fine. You can get what you need. But if they cannot figure out the technology associated with running this interview, that is a red flag because how long before the interview was scheduled did they actually know that they were going to be interviewed? At least minimally, I would hope that you're at least giving these people a day, if not four days, if not 10 days, they know that they're going to be using Google Meets or Hangouts or Zoom or I forget what the Microsoft products is, Teams. They know that they're going to be using this because they have this invite in their inbox. If they spend the first three or four minutes fumbling around with the audio and the sound and the the uh, connection, they should have tested that beforehand. Now, I could see some pushback on this and I think it would be valid pushback depending on the salary level and what the job is. If you are hiring somebody that has no responsibility for communicating with your clients via a laptop or some sort of visual medium like this, then okay, I, I could see you being a little lenient on this. But still, I really believe that you're lowering your expectations by allowing somebody to have technical difficulties in the interview process. The right candidate should have tested their Wi-Fi ahead of time, should have tested the link using the excuse, oh, I've never used Zoom before, I've never used Google Meets before. They had plenty of time to be able to prep this and you know that if they're really nervous about this, this is their future, this is their job, this is how they're making money. If they didn't put attention into the prep process for this, what is your level of confidence that they are going to prep for the work that you're having them do with their clients? They will have clients of yours, they will be a brand representation of yours, and that prep piece can be put in a process that you enforce or it should naturally be, especially if they're a early stage team member, you're still working on the model piece of your business, that prep piece should be something that they just naturally know how to do and then you document how they do it as a best practice for new team members. But it, unless you're looking for lower end talent that is following a model because somebody has already created this and many of the business owners that listen to this podcast are not, you are actively working on building the model, having somebody that knows how to prep will relieve you from having to babysit that process. Okay, the second piece, this is what happened today. Uh, Let's say one of your interview questions, this is a Cardone Ventures interview question. One of your interview questions is, what do you know about our company? If they have notes that they have taken on your company, this goes back to this prep thing, the notes, because they know that that interview is scheduled at that time, should be right in front of them. They should not have to fumble around to find the notes for what they know about your company. I do get that people get nervous and that they lose things and, and, and all of that happens. Like we are not looking to hire robots and you know, you could say, Natalie, you're being a little bit nitpicky with this. But I do believe that how you do one thing is likely how you're freaking gonna do everything once you're inside my environment, our environment that we're creating. And so if you have notes, have them in front of you. And if they don't have their notes in front of them, that is an indication of, again, they're not that prep-minded. And if they're not prep-minded on the interview, what is the client experience really gonna look like? Okay, number three. We are sensitive with our clients. And by sensitive, I mean, it's important to us that our team 
are not loose cannons when talking with our clients. We have a lot of trust that goes into allowing our team members to start working with the clients that we have. We go through a very rigorous training process, but it is entirely inappropriate in a professional context to talk about your feelings or opinions about things that have a political charge to them. So if in the interview there is any sort of indication of political leaning or even something like COVID is a controversial topic and you being vaccinated versus not being vaccinated, you really have to know your audience. And the last thing that you want to do is trust somebody that is a loose cannon with clients because here's the deal, you have very little oversight in most cases to how they're actually engaging with your clients or your customers or your patients. So if on the interview, first impression, they bring up these charged issues that is an indication that they are going to do the exact same thing with your with your clients and with your team members. Uh, there's a professionalism that should be taking place, especially at the level that we are hiring team members. And again, this can be case by case depending on what your hiring needs are. But for me, it is a massive red flag when somebody is bringing up and doesn't have the awareness that that is not the place to have that conversation. You can feel that way, but there's there's none of that when you're working on what the mission is. And this goes back to some of the podcasts that I've recorded in the past about you have to know your mission. If you don't have a mission and it's not really clear to your team members and your candidates, well, then you can understand why they might bring up all of these random things because there's randomity. Is that a word? Randomity, not a word. Dang it. There's randomness in the environment. There's not a clear this is where we're going, this is what we talk about, this is why we talk about these things because it's important. And so people can throw their opinions and their ideas and whatever bullshit they're gonna bring. We don't allow that in our environment. I don't care what your political views are. I don't care where you stand on certain things because at the end of the day, if it doesn't have anything to do with how we help business owners scale and grow their businesses and achieve their personal, professional, and financial goals, it has no place in our work environment. If they feel that strongly about it in an interview, they are going to feel that strongly about it in your environment. So um, if you don't have a clear vision statement and you're thinking, man, well, there's a lot of random, randomity, there's a lot of randomness inside my environment, I would highly, highly, highly recommend that you go back to um, podcast number 12 is a good one. And then podcast, so podcast number 12 is mission. And then podcast number 29 is vision. Vision is gonna be especially important because it's where you're going. And if you don't have clarity on where you're going, all of this stuff can just get thrown into your environment and you don't have a filtering mechanism to remove it because you haven't said what the vision is and where you're going to begin with. All right, the fourth piece. So this is twofold. We have this filter, um, I have this filter in the interview process of anything that is anti our culture. So I've had two interviews over the past couple of days that just totally violated this. On one of the interviews, the candidate said that uh, they believed talking, um, or they believe the marketing strategy of cold calling is sleazy and not something that she would ever recommend a client incorporate as part of their marketing or sales strategy. Well, here's the deal. Our company is called Cardone Ventures and one of our founders named Grant Cardone and one of the main products that Grant sells is called Cardone University. And the entire purpose of Cardone University is to talk about how to use the phones through cold calling in order for business growth 
in order to blow up your market, in order to be able to get known. Like there is nothing sleazy about cold calling and that is an organizational philosophy. That is pretty darn clear if you do any more than five minutes of research. If I was interviewing for a position, I would do an hour, maybe an hour and a half, depending on how interested I was, of research. So for somebody to make a comment like that really is anti our culture and that's very important to me because if it's anti, I'm gonna have to go through and re-indoctrinate them and re-explain something that they already hold as a fundamental belief that they're sharing with me in the interview process. The second thing is, When we think about our core values, we have six of them. They're very important and a core part of our business. One of them is disciplined. Another one of them is accountability. And we take these things truly to heart and and they're um, represented in the way that we create content. They're represented in uh, in the way that we show up every single day. And so on today's interview, the particular candidate said, that they're very go with the flow and they don't really care for a lot of structure and kind of live in this more ethereal place. That is not our culture. There is nothing about go with the flow that is our culture. Now, somebody who says, I'm good at pivoting, I make fast decisions, but somebody who says, I'm go with the flow and the reason that you should hire me is because I'm friendly and people like me, There's nothing in our environment that talks about being friendly and having people like you. It's we reward results. We take massive amounts of action. And so again, it's this this idea of I have these really strict boundaries and I'm listening for words that are anti those things. Now, it is my responsibility not to take something at face value and to ask clarifying questions, but you truly have to come into an interview understanding that it is your responsibility to clarify so that you understand if they truly are a cultural fit. For us, our very first interview is a cultural interview. So I'm looking for these things. Before I get into your technical know-how and knowledge, which is important, you have to know how to do the work. But what's more important, especially in your first 100 team members, is how culturally they fit. And if they're really gonna be a brand ambassador, or if you're gonna have to worry about retraining and reteaching them and spend a lot of time and energy that when you're in startup phase, you don't have to re-guide this person and have them learn new things about the way that you do business. So go with the flow for number four is anything that's anti-culture, like anti your culture. It's not just to totally weed somebody out, but it's, it is now my responsibility to understand truly what, what does go with the flow mean to you so that I can get the sense of what that person is really saying about themselves. Number five, if a person, when asked about what their goals are, says that they do not have any goals, this is a no-go for us. I was on an interview two or three weeks ago now, and after explaining, I I went into this definition. I said, at Cardone Ventures, it is our mission to help our business owners achieve their personal, professional, and financial goals through the growth of their businesses. But that does not just mean for our business owners, that's actually is applicable to our team members because it's important that our team members are growth oriented and that they see that Cardone Ventures is the vehicle for them to achieve their goals. So with that context, help me understand what your professional goals are over the next five years. I say it exactly like that. And if you ever had an interview with me, you would know that that's like verbatim what I say. 
the candidate came back and said, you know, I've tried setting goals in the past and I think that they really just limit my potential. So I don't really believe in goal setting anymore. First of all, I've just told you that the mission of the business is to help people achieve their goals. So now this goes back to number four, it's, it's anti our culture. But second of all, the business has freaking goals. So you're gonna sit here and tell me, the business has goals, I'm hiring you or potentially thinking about hiring you in order to help achieve those goals, but you don't believe in goals. How do those two things jive? They don't. I need you to want to lead a team. I need you to want to learn a skill. I need you to want to improve your condition. I need you to want to be philanthropic and have a bigger vision outside of what your little bubble is and whatever limitation you've already put on yourself. So if you're not able, even in the interview process, to identify, man, I've never done this thing before and I would like to learn how to do this and I would like to know that you have people in your environment that have been able to do those things and could you point me to them like if those two things aren't aren't in play and the first piece is already like oh i don't even believe in this core principle of your business absolutely not like no flunk you did not pass go back to go is that what it's called go back to go like let's let's restart that that's not going to be a good fit and there's an additional layer of that where this person would have been client facing for us could you imagine if we tell our clients that we are here to help them achieve their goals but i've now put somebody in the environment that doesn't believe in goals that's working with clients what advice is she going to give to our clients is she going to talk about how to structure their personal professional and financial goals and how to put them in smart format and what they need to do to take incremental steps every single day and hold themselves accountable to those things? No. So there's such clear alignment on the front end and the structure, but then you have to be able to weed out these people do not fit that, but you know that there is structure so that you can bring new people in who are in alignment with that structure, which is goal setting. And I would honestly, even if your business doesn't have goals in its mission statement, your your potential team members having goals is critically important to the growth and success of your business. You would not make it to this far in this podcast if you weren't goal oriented because you're interested in learning things. If you have this interest, you need, you will not survive without team members who are on that same path with you. All right, I'm gonna get off of that one. Number six, what did I write here? I honestly, guys, as I said, when I started this, I did not plan on writing this podcast. I have on sticky notes. Normally my podcasts have like notes in my computer. My computer is just here for like a prop, I guess, because I have sticky notes. I'm like, this happened and then this happened and then this happened. But now my handwriting is so bad that I can't read it. Questions about, oh, okay. So another red flag, another deal breaker. When you open up for questions at the end of the interview, like, great, what questions do you have? If the only questions that the person has has to do with your health benefits, has to do with what the compensation is, have to do with when the offer letter is sent, they've like missed the boat on how the business is structured. One of the best questions somebody could ask is, who could you point me to in the organization that's achieved their goals and what was the path that they took to do that, right? If they don't have really intelligent questions and they are just so transactional, they're not truly trying to understand what the meat and day-to-day -day of the business is. They're just looking for a job. And unfortunately, Cardone Ventures at this moment is not just hiring people to give them jobs. They're hiring people in order to create careers, in order to transform lives. If you can't understand that, which I know you can't because for the interview process, 
I've just been asking you questions. You know nothing about me yet and what we're doing. This is the perfect time to get more of that reciprocity in the communication cycle. And to go straight into transactional is, for, for us, it's a deal breaker, it's a red flag. Uh, and it shows a lack of awareness when you should be building transformational communication. Instead, you're like in the lowest T. Out of the three, th out of the three T's, there's transformational, transitional, and transactional. You're in the lowest transactional level, which means that you're not really there to add transformational value. On to the next number seven. I could just be very nitpicky about this, but I'm going to say it anyway. If I can see and I'm kind of dead serious about this, if I can see up your freaking nose because your camera is tilted like this and I'm looking up your nose, I can see all the junk that's in there. Like I can see that thing in your mouth that like floats. What is that thing called? My, as With parents as doctors, you would think I would know these anatomical, these that, that thing. Tonsils. No, yeah, that thing that like, Cardi B sings the... But anyway, I'm not going to go that inappropriate on this particular podcast. But if I can see, like, the camera is clearly not set up properly. If I can see the anatomical parts of your body that unless I was seven foot eight, I should not be able to see on a human being. Or if, unless you were seven, eight, like, I could look up and see all of your junk. Like, figure out a way. <laughs> Will's laughing at me. I'm kind of laughing at myself. The camera, how the camera is positioned and how it is lit do not do a video interview in a dark freaking room. Do not do an interview with the camera positioned like this or like this or to the side. Like, just think through what the interview looks like and how you're presenting yourself. Have a nice background. If you don't have a nice background in your house and you have kids running around, that is okay. A white wall, a, a yellow wall, a green, just a wall is totally fine. And the camera, like the camera should be at eye level and I should be able to hear you and there shouldn't be connection issues. That was the first one, but it's the visual component to you are presenting you. And in this lifetime, we have faces and bodies that are represented in a visual format. Your hair should be brushed. You should look presentable. The camera shouldn't be at a weird angle. Like all of these things you have to look through as I am selling myself, not just like the best version of myself, but I care that the camera is off kilter and it's not centered and I'm weirdly on one angle versus the other. So as you guys are interviewing people, do not think that you're being too stringent when somebody just totally jacks that element up because that is a very important part of the interview process and how they are choosing to come across. When somebody sends me a resume and it was written in Word with Times New Roman font size 12 and everything was standard about it, especially if let's say they're hiring or they're interviewing for a marketing role, that matters to me. So the way that you're visually in all touch points matter. My website to the candidate matters to them. Therefore, their presentation of themselves and their work matters to me and it should matter to you. How they do anything is how they will do everything. So be good with having those just like restrictions or those rules in place. Okay, we're gonna keep rolling. That one really like drives me nuts because I had to look at this lady's booger for three or for 30 minutes, like literally, just like it's, it's all you could see was her booger in her nose as she's talking with like the light all jacked up. No bats in the cave, none. Like, 
Uh-uh. Really, I'm like, I'm so lit up about this interview because I feel like I wasted 30 minutes of my life today. And But now you guys are getting so much value out of this, I hope. I hope this doesn't just sound like I'm a rant or ranter. Okay, number eight. If they interrupt you while you are talking. The first time, maybe that's okay. There could be a Wi-Fi connection. The second time, mm, this is starting to starting to create a pattern. Third time, it is a trend. You cannot have, in an interview, somebody interrupting you. You are quite literally their boss. Like, the respect level of when I'm communicating, I'm gonna let the cycle of communication finish. I'm gonna get my sentence out and then the other person is gonna communicate because it's their turn to communicate. If they are willing to interrupt you on an interview, I promise they are going to interrupt your team when they are talking. They are going to be that person on all team meetings. They're going to be that person in one-on-ones and they're also going to be that person with your clients. It is unacceptable, it's entirely unacceptable. But number nine, Results. So in the first interview, in this cultural interview, as I said earlier, what I'm not looking for is for them to just wow me with their technical skills. I need to be smart enough to create a case study so that I can actually see them do the work that they do. But what I am interested in is having them give me an overview of what they have been responsible for in previous positions, so what their role was and what they're responsible for. Um, Tied to that is the results that were generated from what they were responsible for. So I was on an interview, I think it was yesterday, and it was all this activity. uh, We're in a big marketing hiring push right now. And it was all this activity around what the task was or the tactical thing for marketing. But when asked the question, what result did that marketing initiative yield? First of all, there was no clear recollection of what the result was, but somebody whose results oriented would be like, we did X and Y took place and it was amazing. So we doubled down on the spend for X and we got more of a return. So I know that a high performer would think that. So the fact that this person wasn't aware of what the results were was like the first alarm. The second alarm was, um, if they're not results oriented in this way, they don't actually create an understanding of what true value means to the organization. Meaning, and and marketing is especially easy to tie to, uh, you can ask follow-up questions. Well, why did the company, even if you don't remember the the result of it, why did the company want you to do X tasks? This person had worked in a a larger corporate marketing and they were uh, a function of a bigger budget and a bigger plan. And that's fine because tactical is important to us. But if the person who is doing the tactical work doesn't understand why the person who made the budget decision chose to put money and resources into that and really get that their role created X value for the business, they just kind of missed what their part in the whole organization was and therefore they don't know how to drive true value. If you're just if you're just hiring team members who are okay just sitting there and doing what they were told, that's all right in a context where a business doesn't need or want to grow. But if you need and want to grow, you need people to understand, okay, I'm here, but there's this all this activity that's driving flow over here that's then creating conversion, and I'm in the conversion piece, but then we need people to be 
responsible for retaining clients so that we get new clients that are from referrals, but then also are from spend, it's a cycle, right? And people need to understand where they're at in your business cycle. That is part of your responsibility once somebody's inside your environment to educate them and to create models so that people really get what the business does and how it functions. But if prior to joining you, they have no understanding of why they added value in the role that they were in, there is so much education that you are going to have to do to explain this to them. And it, the question never dawned on them before, which for us is a red flag and something that we would just say, you know, this is, this is not the right fit for us. So number nine was results. Last but not least, I did stick to number 10. I'm pretty proud of myself for not adding additional ones. Um, number 10 is schedule issues from the start. What did I mean by that? Uh, schedule issues. Oh, oh, I know what I mean from this. Now I know. Listen, 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 listen. If you are in growth mode, we've already established that you have to be or else you wouldn't still be listening to this podcast. But if you're still here, then you are definitely in growth mode. So now that we've established that you're still here and you're in growth mode, you have to build your business around a model. And when you allow people in your environment that from the start have schedule issues, Tom Brady, I'll, I'll put it like this, Tom Brady would not let somebody on his team if they could only work 40 hours a week. Like Tom Brady is requiring excellence out of his environment because he has a goal. And the goal is to win the freaking Super Bowl. Now, I don't know how seriously you take your goals, but I take my goals very seriously. And if people on the front end are already going to tell me what they are not willing to sacrifice for the opportunity that's being created, it just doesn't work. They can be great people. They can have amazing ideas and contribution in another environment. But you have to know where your business cycle is and where you are as a leader. And if you're putting in 70 hours a week or you're putting in 80 hours a week, because that's what the, the business demands right now, you might not need every single person on your team putting in the same level of hours because at the end of the day, it's your business and you should be working hardest in that cycle, in that initial cycle. Uh, but they can't already be negotiating in the first interview what flex schedule looks like because at the end of the day if you're really serious about winning the freaking super bowl you can't have a team member who's who wants to be on vacation for four weeks out of the year and is working on the negotiation of those pieces this is this has a give and take to it uh because there is good talent out there that wants to have the flexibility of a professional and personal life that that fits and we understand that but if we if we truly know that what we're looking for is a high performing team that is willing to make sacrifices because they want to go create something we just have to know that that's what we're looking for and that that's what we're going to attract and we want those type of people so people who aren't like that they're not bad people but they're not they're not welcome on this team. I could hang out with them outside of work, although, you know, don't have a lot of hours in the day in order to do that because I'm working hard. So it, it depends on your business cycle, but I would say that if in the first interview, they're already starting to negotiate, well, 
I can't come in until nine and then I need to leave at three o'clock every day for blah, blah, blah reason. It's just gonna irk you every single day when you're staying in the office late and you're showing up early and that person isn't willing to literally put in the hours that it's, that it's that is required at that phase in the game. As your business gets bigger, as your goals might become less aggressive, maybe you could lessen that. Uh, but for us and for quite some time, that will be the scenario. And we're just not willing to compromise on it because the hours in do matter. So with that, my last piece on this is when you're interviewing somebody, it's really important from my standpoint to not add anxiety or stress into the environment. I do just about everything that I can to make it feel like a normal conversation because what is my goal? My goal is to find somebody who wants to work with me. My goal is to find somebody that can handle stress but feels like they're part of something bigger. And so in the interview process, I'm not trying to make them uncomfortable or to throw them off balance. Like I, I want them to be maybe not the best version of themselves, but a comfortable enough version of themselves that I can hear what their intent is, I can hear what skill set they have, and they actually shine through. In other, in like maybe the second interview or case study, it, it would be okay to just add a little bit more pressure, especially if they're working with your clients and they're gonna get nervous or they're supposed to be public speaking so that you can just see and confront and then handle what their nervous responses are. But for the most part, I'm selling them on why they wanna be a part of this amazing team that we're creating. And if in the interview process, I'm really making them uncomfortable, they're not gonna wanna join my team. And you're you're either selling or being sold, right? And I'm wanting at some level to sell them on why this is the opportunity that they should choose once I've determined that they are a great fit because they didn't do any of the 10 things that I just said shouldn't be done. So, all right, I feel better. I feel like I've got that off my chest. Uh, now I won't have to tell Brandon all evening how irritating it was to interview this person today. I don't know why it was such a trigger for me. It's probably because all of these things are what happened and it was such a lack of awareness, but this podcast came from it. And now hopefully you guys feel like you are able to be more confident in saying no to the wrong people for the indicators that they were so clearly giving you on the front end. So with that, um, if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, please subscribe. It means the world to me when you subscribe. Second piece is leave a review. The subscription matters, but the reviews, honestly, they make my day whenever I read them. I check them often. Uh, so if you haven't done that yet, it would, it would mean a lot. And with that, I will see you next week on Workwoman. Next week's episode's gonna be freaking fire. Cannot wait to talk to you then.